second. I, I've already got that down in my notes. Um, I want to. I want to get credit for that. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't. I didn't just steal it from from the video, uh, but it doesn't really matter. But I just want to let you know that real quick. But it was so amazing that some of the same stuff that had been stirred in my heart was like repeated, and then there was some stuff that got added to it, and then I I stole it, and I said that's that's really good um, because that's the thing. We're about seeking God. Um, if I need to, if someone else speaks to me and God speaks it, I'm just going to share it with you and say, here's what, here's what God said through somebody else. Because uh, God's always speaking. He's speaking all over the place. God is, he's a, the speaking voice, like A.W. Tozer says. God is a speaking God. He's a relational God. And so he's always speaking. And so the other morning, I just woke up and like, I hadn't read this scripture. I hadn't, you know, I've read it before, but not in a while. And it was Acts 13, and it's a scripture where they, they set Saul and Barnabas, Saul who becomes Paul, and they set them apart and says they're, they were ministering to the Lord or they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And then it says, and the Holy Spirit um, spoke and said, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work I've called them to. So after they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, impartation, and sent them out. And it was like, I, I woke up. I don't even remember what day it was. I, I woke up. And this, this scripture was going over in me. And, and, the word, and it was like community, community, community. And I, I, didn't, I, would, I, was, I don't, if you know me, I don't wake up. I mean, in the morning, okay, I, I, um, I'm forced to enter the day by the, by the, by the alarm clock, okay? Like, it, it just, it has to drag me from the bed, you know, and it has to pull me. I mean, and... and you know, it's, it's contagious. In, in, in my household, we, you know, Ashley, you know, she likes to, you know, she doesn't get pulled out very easily either. Uh, our little dog, Zoe, does not get pulled out of that bed either. Um, she just enjoys that thing. Um, this morning, I had to drag her out just to, you've got to go outside. And, um, but we're, we're stuck. And so that was why I knew this was something, this was probably the Lord, because um, some, most of the time I just wake up and it takes me a while to, to get going, just to, you know, 12.30 at night, I'm rolling. I'm, I'm ready to pray, do whatever, run around, dance, go play football. It doesn't matter. I'm ready for anything. But at 7.30 or 8 or, you know, 8.30, whenever I get up, <laughs> it's really early. 8.30 is really early to me, okay? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? I mean, some people get up like, like 4 or 5 here, and I mean... That's incredible to me. That's amazing. Uh, you know, I'd prefer to stay up till four. Um, so I got I got some people over here that are that are with me on this. So it's not just it's not a you know it's not a generation thing. It's just a personality. So I knew God was speaking to me. I knew there was something that that was going on. I was like, why I why is this this stirring in me? And so this word this word community was just just stirring. And the, and the scripture was just Acts thirteen. It was like. And I could, I could hear the words. I mean, I knew the basic idea of, of what the scripture was saying. So let's turn there. Uh, I pretty much quoted it to you, but um, let's, we'll make sure it's in the Bible uh, by looking in the Bible. Acts 13, verse 1. Acts 13, verse 1. 
I mean, this, this is an amazing scripture. I think, I think every scripture is amazing. I think the point is, is God just is really rolling with me on this one and showing me how amazing it is. Okay, in the church at Antioch, so we're in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And here's their names. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And listen to this. This is amazing. While they were worshiping the Lord, some translations say ministering to the Lord. That's basically what that means. While they were ministering and worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, even after that, after they had fasted and prayed, they kept going. They didn't just stop. Just because God spoke, they didn't say, Oh, we're done. It's a good point there. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And what the Lord spoke to me there was, was first of all, the word community. And so we're going we're gonna to look at we're going to look at this verse for several weeks. There's several things in it and at the church in Antioch. There's something special about them. Um, just like there's something special about every church. But God wants us to get something from the church at Antioch. And the first thing they were was they were a worshiping community. And what we have to do today... What we have to do today is we have to make sure and take off our church glasses, our religious glasses, you know, because I grew up in church, okay, I, you know, like I've said before, you know, I was probably in, within a week of being conceived, I was in a church service, maybe within a day, who knows, my parents were pastors at the time, so pretty quick, I've been in, in church situations for a long time, and sometimes what that means is, you see something over and over again, and you have a perspective on the way, way it really is, when in, in the Word of God, it's actually a little bit different. It started out good, and it's been, it's been, it's been veiled over. It's been covered over. It's been, it's been kind of, um, you know, there's, there's been, there's been this, this, this covering. And so what we have to do is when we come to the idea of a worshiping community, is we have to take off the church glasses. And what the church glasses, are, well, they could be anything. But the church glasses, one of the main things is you show up to church on Sunday and you worship. And that's a worshiping community. And if that's the only time you, as a follower of Jesus, worship, I don't even think that's worship, ever. Because a worshiping community is a community. This, this was not a Sunday church meeting. This was not Sunday morning. This was a group. This was a community that met together on a regular basis. And you know what? During this time, they just happened to be worshiping the Lord and fasting. You know, and what the Lord spoke to me this morning is, there is so much more than we have ever known. There is so much more. I mean, imagine. I can even imagine this, but there's more than I can even ask or imagine. Imagine if you're at somebody's house 
and you're just visiting and having dinner. And then because God is so good and the Holy Spirit's in the room, you just begin to say, we got to stop eating. we got to worship the Lord. And you begin to just speak praise to Him. You just begin to worship Him. You begin to set things aside. Your agenda, whatever the evening plans were, they're set aside because, oh God, you've seen God, you know God. And He's there. And you guys, you got to worship Him. Not because you have to, just because He's there. It's like, God, you're God. i got to bow down. I gotta worship you. See, this is that, this is God saying, this is this scripture, these three verses, is an amazing picture of a worshiping community. This was something that was their life. This was something that was their their value. This was something that was their breath. It was like breathing to them. Worshiping the Lord. And worshiping, yeah, includes songs. It can include lots of stuff, though. It definitely does include singing. If you look at scripture, worship definitely includes a lot of singing, but it includes way more than just singing. So let's get back to the notes here, huh? We've been... The other thing that got got me going about community is we've been reading this book. And it's it's called The Lord of the Ring, and it's actually a story of Count Zinzendorf and the Moravian Revival in Hernhut, Germany. Okay, and, and this is the thing. Everybody remember our Poland missions team? Who remembers that we sent a team to Poland? Okay, anybody remember them talking about it? Two, three. Okay, just kidding. I, <laughs> there's a couple of us that remember. They went to Hernhut, or however you say it, Hernhut. I don't. I didn't even get to go. They went there, and you remember how they described that the place, just the place, they had a, they had a hundred years of prayer from the move of God, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, one hundred years. You know what that means? That means that the people that started it died, and it kept going. You know how some things sometimes we start things, and it's just because of that person. You know, it's just personality driven. It's like. You know, and we're not like that, praise the Lord, because, you know, we're not set on my personality or the worship leader, Melissa, or this person or that person. We're, we're a community. But, you know, those, those personality-driven things, they just die out. If, it, if that person's gone, then it's like, well, you know, I wasn't really that into it. I, I was following them, but it's not in my heart. See, this was, in their, this was their community. It was in their DNA. It was in who they were, that they just breathed it out. We will come to the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We will have someone on watch. This was a community of 300 people that sent 1,000 missionaries around the world in 70 years. This was a community of 300 people that are still affecting us today. You know why I'm being affected? This is a community today because of the presence of God that was there when Gary and Dan and my wife and Brandy and Glory and Terry stepped onto that place. They were overwhelmed with the presence of God because He was still there because of this offering of prayer and worship that was there for so long. God is still hanging out there. The presence of God is just left there because of the mighty move of God and because they were a community. They were a worshiping community. It says they got up in the morning with a song. 
They went to bed at night with a song. During the day, they would meet together in groups of two or three. They'd have accountability. They'd, they'd challenge each other. They'd, they'd ask the hard questions. They'd pray with each other. They'd meet in bigger groups of, of 12. You're noticing some interesting things here. They would meet, and then they, they, sure, they'd have services. They'd have a Sunday service and a Sunday evening or whatever, whenever they needed to meet. They'd have those, those big gatherings, but they were a worshiping and praying community all the time. And it's like they woke up with it. It was like on their breath when they stepped out of bed. And see, I used to be against... So, community. I'm, I'm not finishing my sentences here. Um, Gary's probably tracking with me, right? So you're, you're, I'm, see, you hang out with someone, and I'm picking up good things from him, okay? You just, I pick up, like, stuff where you just get going and you let it rip, and I've learned that from Gary. So, and that's good, because sometimes, you know, I grew up with, you know, my dad's old method, which was, you know, you're so prepared that you just, you, you can't go anywhere. You're stuck in a box, so thank you, sir. Um, I'm serious. So this community was, was incredible. And see, what we're getting here is this is before Hernhut. Hernhut was in 1728, and they had 100 years of prayer. And there's all kinds of stuff I could tell you about them, but we're going to move on, read the book, study Count Zinzendorf and the move of God that happened there. This is it. Here's one more thing. You got This community was so amazing. They were like the Bible. They was like the, the book of Acts. I mean, the power of the Holy Spirit came, and they had... Basically, everybody who describes what happened when the Holy Spirit first came, they can't describe it. They say, I can't tell you what happened. I just know God was there, and it's undescribable. And you know right there that's powerful because I, I can, I've seen God move, and i tried to explain it and seen a lot of ways. They, they, nobody had any words. Just God came. And then suddenly everything was different. Their relationships were different. They were, they were in community. They had people... And I shared this on Wednesday. One, one guy called Count Zinzendorf like the Antichrist and the Beast. They had this person come in and bring the vision. But after that, those were two guys. This, this guy, Christian David, and Count Zinzendorf were in this small band of two or three people where they were with each other very often. And they met together and they prayed together and they asked the hard questions together. They were in one of the closest relationships possible. Because of the move of God, people were brought together in an incredible way. It, it changed everything. There was no... Count Zinzendorf was a noble. He was a guy that didn't, in that time period did not even have to, to talk to the peasants. I mean, you understand that in the 1700s, more like a... You know, the nobleman and then, then the lowly. It was, there's a huge separation. Count Zinzendorf moves in. He lives with everybody else. Everybody had the same standard of living. No one had too much and no one had too little. If they went over too much, they just gave it away. Incredible. No one was in need. There was no poverty. There was no poor people. There were no rich people either. Everyone had everything they needed. And they had the kingdom of God coming in power. They saw miracles. They were the first ones to send out missionaries in the Protestant group, you know, after the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther. They were the, some of the first ones that ever... See, that wasn't even an idea. It got lost somewhere between Acts and like the 1500s. Like, they just thought it became like a religious thing. It became just a church. You show up and you're who you're supposed to be. If, if you're the right person, you go to this church. If you're a lowly person, you go to this church. And that was it. And so, but because of the move of the Holy Spirit, it brought everybody together. So, incredible. 
And so Acts here is a picture. This is before Hernhood. This is like right near the birth of the Holy Spirit, uh, where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. But this is a couple years afterwards. Um, and so the church, here's, let's look at the church in Antioch. Here's how they started. You have to go to Acts 11, verse 19. See, the only dangerous thing about me speaking before the worship is this is really dangerous, is um, if you don't think I could preach for an hour and a half, you, are, you don't know me. <laughs> I am dead serious. I, God has, I, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll stop when he tells me. I'm going to try to. If, you, if he tells you to make me stop, let me know. Um, <laughs> we're done, huh? Okay, let's worship. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We'll take a vote. But the church in Antioch, I think they have an amazing beginning here. It's Acts eleven nineteen. It's not on the screen, so you're going to have to open your Bible this time. Um, Acts eleven nineteen. I'm reading from the NIV. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, Stephen was a guy who stood up for God, and he got killed for it. He was a martyr, and so there was this great persecution that came just just a couple couple chapters earlier. And so they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Okay, and get this part. Here, here's, here's the wild guys right here. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. This is the start of this church. This is the start of this community. The Lord's hand was with them. Right there, that scripture tells you a lot because... Um, the Lord's hand was with them. If you read Acts 1 through 10 or 1 through 11, you know what that means. That means signs and wonders and miracles. That pe- means people were getting mowed by the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit and slammed by the Holy Spirit. There was, there was amazing miracles happening. Demons were being cast out. The kingdom of God was coming. That little scripture, the Lord's hand was with them, that means something. So the Lord's hand was with them. Where, where am I? And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 22, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad, he was joyful, and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. I mean, this is like a revival right here. I mean, this is... Just bam, these guys go into town and things are happening. Signs and wonders and miracles and healing and, and deliverance and salvation and repentance were happening. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And get this scripture. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Okay? Okay. Now, the word Christian nowadays doesn't mean anything. Let's be honest. All that means, it can just mean that I go to, go to church on Sunday. I mean, it's been diluted. To, that's what it's been diluted to. I mean, our nation, you know, if they poll the nation, it's like, you know, people say, it's like, oh, yeah, we're 60% Christian. Uh, that's not the same definition I use. The definition of Christian that I have is a passionate follower of Jesus. They're a follower of Jesus. They are in relationship with Him. They hear His voice and they follow Him. That doesn't mean they're perfect. Doesn't mean they don't mess up. But they're, in, they're on a journey. They're on the journey with Him. They're not just checking a box on Sunday. And they're not just showing up to some... They, they don't just have a title. Oh, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Foursquare. You don't say I'm a Foursquare I mean, four Indian or whatever. 
I'm, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm this or that. It's not about the labels. Okay? And so, but here, here this word meant something. This was the first time they were called Christians. And what does the word Christ mean? Does anybody know? Anointed one. And, and, and it was the word also, for, the same word in Hebrew was basically the word Messiah. And so in other words, it was, it was specifically marked for, for a person. Christ was the anointed one, the one sent from God, the Messiah, the one who was going to bring salvation. And so they were first called Christians in Antioch. There was something about them where people said, you so much remind me of Jesus, we're going to have to call you by his, his name. Or his title, or who, who is his identity as the Messiah. I mean, that was who G, part of who Jesus is, is he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. I mean, Christ is not his name, but it's a part of who he is. It's, it's, it's ingrained in, in who Jesus is. He is that. And because, see, this, this is the thing, the Lord's, and this may be just my opinion. I just really think that there was such a move of God in this community. They saw the same things that they saw in Jesus. And so they called them Christians. And see, they call them Christians and not Messiahans because this was a Greek town. And so they spoke Greek. And Christos is a Greek word. And so that's why it, where the word Christian comes from. So it meant something then. It meant, man, they saw the same things that they saw in Jesus in these people. So this is the community in Acts 13. It's the same group. This, is, this was just part of the community. There just happened to be six or seven of them meeting together and they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And so that tells me there was something about this community where they were a worshiping community. They were a together community. There was something that when they worshiped though, something was released. And see, worship, I used to think, here we're coming back to where I was a second ago, there used, I used to think that worship, I didn't want music to be such a heavy part of worship. I don't think that anymore. And here's why. First of all, the Bible, if you go through the, the, the whole of the Bible, there are so many verses about singing that it's incredible. Um, I didn't count them. I don't know if anybody's ever counted them. But what that tells me is if something is in the Bible that much, there's a reason for it because it's powerful. Now, if we're, it doesn't mean that every time I'm singing, that makes it worship. But worship will involve singing. And next week, maybe in two weeks, we'll talk about form, biblical forms of worship and challenge you to move into the Bible, challenge all of us, I'm not just challenging you, to move into the biblical form of worship. And we've got some of them, but we need all of them. We need it all. And why we're going this way first is because you don't start with the forms. You start with the inner. You start with the heart. Because from the heart flows the other stuff. Okay? I used to think that music and singing were not... Were, you know, it's like, well, that's, that's just Sunday worship. But I don't, I don't think that anymore. This is why. There is... Music was created to be powerful. I don't know why, but it is. This is why I don't listen to any secular music. And I'm not telling you to do that. That's something between me and God. Um, here's the reason I don't. There's a reason. We're going to get on this here. There's a reason 
that some secular artists are so popular, it's because they have an anointing. It's not the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Just like the Holy Spirit comes on and anoints and covers and fills me, other spirits, demons, just, just the, same, the word spirit is the same as demon, just to clear that up. Uh, it's just a, it sounds nicer, doesn't it? Spirit. So another spirit can anoint someone and cause their music or their song to have a power that it did not have in its own. And see, the reason I don't like to listen to a lot of secular music is because the stuff that gets stuck in your head from the radio or from wherever is the reason a lot of time is because they have an anointing. And I don't want to listen to any anointing or let any anointing come near me or on my heart or get inside of me that is a false anointing, that is, a, that is an evil inherently wicked anointing. Now, whoop, what's it? yeah, we're, oh, we're going here, huh? Listen, the spirit, remember the spirit realm is way more powerful than the physical realm. The, we have, see, I'm still so, so stuck in the physical. I know that. I know I'm, I'm asking God, let, open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart to, to walk in the spiritual realm because that's, that's where the power is. That's where the battle is going on. The battle, you know, we don't battle in the flesh, but, you know, against the principalities and powers, etc. Ephesians 6, you know. So I don't want to allow something that has a false anointing to fill me. Now, you know what? You, you live in life and you're going you're gonna to hear songs and hear all that. But don't, you don't have to be scared, okay? Because greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. It's not a fear thing. It's, it's a choice thing. If you have a choice. If you're somewhere and there's a song playing, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. It's when I willfully hit play or I willfully say, I'm turning this on, that then you begin to open yourself up to it. And this is why, here's another reason. Here's what we do with with Christian music is what we do is we say, oh, you like this kind of music. You like heavy metal or whatever. Here's a group that sounds like them. And I'm not going where you think I'm going because I don't have a problem with styles of music. Okay? There's not, rock music is not from the devil. At least if God reveals that to me, he's going to really have to pound it to me. I like certain kinds of rock. I don't really listen to much of it. Um, I'll tell, this is the reason why. What we do is we just pick another artist that, that has the same style of music and we say, hey, if you like this group, then you'll probably like this group. And the problem is, this is what happens. You have one group that has a false anointing. And what we do is a lot of the Christian groups, unfortunately, in the church today, we don't understand the anointing of God. And so a lot of the Christian groups... They have zip anointing. They got hardly nothing. And so you play the, the two music together. You know what? The secular music sounds better. It has nothing to do with the sound or the style. It has to do with the spirit behind it. Because we as the people of God have not recognized the power of our song under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I, and what I would do instead now, this is what the Lord is, is saying to me, is don't, don't worry about the style Get something, get a song, get a group, get, get some music 
that is drenched with the power of God, that is drenched with the anointing. It doesn't matter what style. It can be rock, it can be country, it can be whatever. It can be heavy metal. But let it be drenched in the presence of God. Let it be drenched with His power. And then when I play that music, that it, it hits me. Something happens because there's the power of God behind it. And why so many of our kids and, and young people... We try to get them just to, we try to switch the style. And that just doesn't work. You, we need something with the same anointing, with a stronger anointing, the real anointing of the Holy Spirit to release that. And so our worship is a release of the real true anointing of God in music and in song. And as we release that, something happens. There's something powerful that happens. I mean, do you, you do realize that there's secular groups that used to play, and I'm, I don't, I'm not going to name names, that, and this is from a book, but there's other secular groups that play. When they play, it's like something comes over the crowd. Something happens. And I didn't plan necessarily to talk about this this long, but it, it's so important to understand that what God has been stirring, like Pastor Jack Haver was talking about, the rebirth of worship was the rebirth of, of singing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That there's something powerful that's released. And this community had it. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit came down and something happened. And something was released. And what was released from this meeting was incredible. Just this one encounter with God, they sent out Saul and Barnabas. Millions of people came to Jesus. There were churches started all over because just like in Hernhoop, after the encounter, they sent out thousands of missionaries. During Zinzendorf's life, they sent out 225 just during his lifetime. The last 30 or 40 years of his life, a group of 300 people sent 225 people out to the nations. Because they were a worshiping community. And they understood, as limited as whatever their understanding was about the power of the song, they got up in the morning with a song and they went to bed with a song. They were a worshiping community. And what God is calling us to is He's calling us to be a worshiping community. The other cool thing about Antioch is normal people started this, just good old regular people. You know, it just says, it just says some guys just went up there. It doesn't say, it wasn't the apostles, it wasn't the, the dudes that had, had it going on, it wasn't the licensed pastors, it wasn't, they didn't have licensed pastors. Um, it wasn't any of those people. It was just some guys just went up there, it was the, it was the quote unquote regular people, because that's what, that's what it is about. It's about all of us together, it's about the community together coming, moving on in the Lord. Okay, what is worship? I'm going to go through this. We're not going to get to the last part. We're going to briefly look at, look at some stuff. So that's why I, be, I believe worship in song is so powerful. It's just one part, but it's because when it's done under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there's a, there's a movement that happens. And you know what? There's, there's the, the problem is, and... and there are, it's the problem is, is there's a lot of Christians, a lot of you know, Christians today that don't understand that. And I'm not saying that I fully understand. I'm just saying I'm growing in this. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to see. But one song under the power of the Holy Spirit is going to do a whole lot better than 35 Christian radio songs that don't have a drop of the presence of God on them. See, when, when David... 
with David in the Old Testament. It says when he played his harp before King Saul, demons fled from kings when he played under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And as I've said before, David is the only person in the Old Testament. He kind of pulled something from the future into the present. He pulled tomorrow into today because he's the only person in the Old Testament where it says the Holy Spirit came upon him from that day forward and didn't leave. The only person in the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit used to come upon somebody to do something like Samson. It says the Holy Spirit would come upon him. He would do something, mostly killing, and, uh, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. When, when his work was done. Now see, in the New Testament, we're more like... David was a picture of that New Testament because the Holy Spirit came upon him and never left. And see, in the New Testament, Jesus says, you know, I'm going I'm to send the Spirit to you. And so he's going to come and he's going to never leave. I will be with you until the end of the ages. And so, but there's also this, this coming where the Spirit is, is fills us and, and overflows in us. And that's the anointing of God where there's like a covering. There's a... There's a there's a release for something even more, but he's always there. And so David saw something. He pulled something from tomorrow into today, and he reached in, and because he was so passionate for God, or, or just God wanted to show us, I'm not sure, but something happened. But see, the power of the anointing of just music, he didn't even sing. He just played the harp. And see, we need to release the people of God to where we can... And, and this is from Lou Engle. I'm stealing this. Let me just, to play under the anointing, to play music, and demons will flee from presidents. Demons will flee from prime ministers. Demons will flee from kings. Demons will flee from dictators. Un, because under the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, those things can be released. That was really cool when I heard that, so... What is worship? First of all, worship is a response. See, we're not the ones to start the worship. It's, it's God. And because, see, worship is like, it's a response to two things. Who God is and what God has done or is doing, not just in the past. But it can start from the past, what he did at the cross. And, and on the third day. See, worship is a response. It's, it's, it's because we know God, because I see him, I worship him. When God does something for me, when I understand salvation, what was my response? I worship him. I praise him. Something is released. And so, first and foremost, worship is always initiated by the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the worship leader of every single person, every single church, every single community. He is the leader of worship. And he leads other people to lead, but he is the ultimate leader. And if he is the leader, see, in Acts 13, that's what happens. The Holy Spirit was the leader right there. He was the one that gave direction and breath and life to every single thing that happened. And so the same was worship. The Holy Spirit loves to exalt Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves to bring worship. And so 
He's always ready to do it. He's always initiating it because that's, that's, part of, that's what he loves to do. That's what he likes to do. He, just, he, just, he can't get enough of it. The Holy Spirit cannot get enough of drawing everyone to worship. And, you know, sometimes we even throw in it. We're so excited about God, and you don't have to understand the Trinity. I don't think we ever really will, even those that say they do. Um, God is three persons in one. It's, it's in the Bible. But um, to explain that how that works, I have no idea. But in the middle of all that, even though the Holy Spirit is always giving us a demonstration of humility and, and passing on, sometimes we even say, you know, Holy Spirit, I just love you so much. I'm, I praise you. And, you know, he does, he's always, well, I just pass it on. But, see, the Holy Spirit is the initiator of worship. And some of this stuff may seem basic, but it's very important. If we're going to be a worshiping community, because I, I, I want to see that. I want to see it in my own life. It's not just saying like, hey, I need to see. I'm, when I come to your house, you better pull out a CD and we'll worship. Or, oh, you, you know, not like, but just where it just, it's just natural. It's just like, man, we've got, we got to worship God. We, it just breaks out. I mean, don't you do that on your own when you're alone? You do do that, right? I mean, sometimes, see, worship in public is a whole lot easier if you worship in private. Public is just like yesterday. It's just the overflow. Um, because, you know what, I dance, I jump, I, I cry, I'm silent, I praise, I yell, I pray in tongues, all in the secret place. Me and God. So, when I show up here and whatever I'm doing that looks like, it may be worship, it may be not, maybe just something I'm doing. But it's just an overflow. It's just because I, I, love, I love Jesus so much that it doesn't matter what else is going on, I've got to worship Him. I love Him too much. I love Him so much. And I don't even love Him enough yet. Not in a condemning way. It's just like, man, God's like, you don't even know me yet. Just come, come in. There's more. Come closer. Come deeper. Come further in. Come further in. Come. And he's got a smile on his face, not like me. I get all weird when I'm preaching. Um, he's, he's happy. Worship is abandoned. And see, all these things don't necessarily fully describe it. It's just it, worship is so huge. Worship of God. It's an abandon. It's an abandoning of, of yourself. Worship is an abandoning of your self-image. It's abandonment of pride. To worship, you must abandon insecurity. You must abandon fear. Or even better, you get to abandon fear. You get to abandon security. And you know what? You get to abandon dignity. Because there is nothing in the Scripture that says you're, that there's anything dignified I mean, it says David danced before the Lord, and then his wife, one of his wives, maybe that was the problem, um, his, one of his wives came to him, not that he had a wife, just, you know, having more than one is, anyway, she came to him and said, you've made a fool of yourself. And, he, and his response was basically like, why would you even notice that? Weren't you? I mean, it was basically like his response was, I was worshiping the Lord. 
I, I have to do this. I, how could I not just celebrate Him? And I will become even more undignified than this. Because worship is an abandonment of dignity. Well, we've got to keep it all in order. The, the scripture of everything done in Corinthians in order is not the word order that we think it is. It's the word to weave something beautiful. It's like, a, it's like a picture of beauty. It's not order like everybody got to do this. Everybody does the same thing. It's all, you know, it doesn't get out of control. That's not what it's talking about. It means there's all this stuff going on. The Holy Spirit's moving and it's weaved into this beautiful picture because it's the Holy Spirit leading. And so it's abandoning all these things. It, I mean, to me, that is one of the hugest words you can get. If you understand that worship is abandoned, that just frees you up for so much. And you know what? It doesn't mean you may never be dancing in front with Annette, dancing around. You know, I pray. And this is only, if, if the Holy Spirit moves you, though, I pray that you're, you're dancing faster than her. That, that she has to get out of the way. Because there's so many of you that are released. But that's if the Holy Spirit leads you. It's not, it's not, see, it's not the form. It's the heart. But you know what? It's very hard for me to get in God's presence and, and not at some point, sometime, to dance or to shout or to, or to be quiet or to bow down. I mean, the God I know is just incredible. And I hardly know Him. I hardly know Him in a whole. But I mean, I just, I'm overwhelmed. I mean... And so we abandon all those things and we abandon ourselves to God, to Him. It's to a person, not just an, it's not to an event, it's not to a form, it's not, I'm not abandoning myself to the dance, I'm not abandoning myself to the song, I'm not, I'm not, oh, I love that song, so I abandon myself to the song. See, sometimes we do that, we worship the song or the thing rather than God. I don't abandon myself to the song, I abandon myself in my song to Him. It's my song. It's my offering. And as a community, it becomes our offering. The worshiping community. Worship is first love, affection. See, worship is affection. It's a love. It's a love for Him. I love Him. Worship. I'm going to go through these quick. Worship is overflow. And the Bible says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if my heart is overflowing with praise, my mouth's going to let something out that's going to be a praise, that's going to be worship to the Lord. Ephesians says, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And it's in the context of being full of the Holy Spirit. And so it, sing, sing in, sing in the Spirit, sing with your mind. Worship moves you to action. And the action may be doing nothing, but it's still moving you to that action. It may be silence. If you're always loud in your worship and it's always shouting and dancing, um, it's probably, you might be missing something because at some point the Holy Spirit is saying, Whoo, quiet down. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a time with the Lord and it's time to... Take off your shoes. 
this is holy ground. And I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not show, I'm not trying to do some kind of show or something. I'm just, I'm really trying to share my heart. I hope you understand that. That worship to me is, is, is such an, it's an intimacy with God. It's a closeness with Him. And we, as we begin to become a worshiping community, and we're on that journey. It's not like, you know, we've never worshiped before. It's, and, it's, and, it's more than, and it is more than Sunday morning. It's more than Wednesday or whenever we gather. It's got to be more than that. This is the overflow. This is like we've been worshiping all together all week, whether it's privately or in small groups or whatever. There's been worship happening. There's been things offered up to the Lord. We're ministering to the Lord. And see, a worshiping community, something is released, something happens, something powerful is released. The Holy Spirit speaks. Um, worship is circular. Okay, this one, I told you I could preach for a long time. Circular. And what that means is the presence of God, God shows up, what happens? I worship. When I worship, God says He dwells in the praises of His people. So God shows up even more. However that's possible. It says He does. He dwells or enthrones Himself on the praises. Um, I mean, it's really what, you know, he's just, he's just there. And just Exodus 25 says that He wants to dwell. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's another one of these circles that God has. That because I'm in the presence of the King, I worship the King. And as I worship the King, or as we worship the King... His presence comes even stronger. And because His presence is even stronger, what does that do? I worship Him more. I long to be with Him more. I draw closer to Him more. I bow down even more. Something is released more. And then what happens is that worship happens. See the circle going over and over again. And I think that's, it's interesting that in Revelation 4 and 5, which we won't talk about, it says, and there was all these people and they encircled the throne. Some of them were behind the throne in Revelation. They're worshiping. I mean, they didn't get to see God's face or whatever, however that works. But it says, and they encircled the throne. And they began to cry worthy and holy and all, all this amazing picture of, of worship. worship and, but so worship is circular with the sinner. The sinner is God. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Worship is spontaneous. Psalm 40 talks about singing a new song to the Lord. If worship never just comes from our hearts. There has to be, it's, it's worship when it becomes my song. It's worship when it becomes our song. When it's not, when it's not Darlene Check's song. When it's not Hillsong's song that I just join in. It, when it's not somebody else's dance that I do. When it's not somebody else's silence. When it's my offering. When, it's, when the Lord moves upon me. Worship is a sign of the kingdom of God. And worship brings the kingdom of God. Because why is it a sign of the kingdom of God? Because the presence of the king. Where the king is, there's the kingdom. And we want on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll close with this quote here. from uh, This is from Pastor Jack Hayford, our president of Foursquare. He summarized God's desire from worship from these few scriptures yesterday. And I thought it just kind of summed up a lot of stuff. I want people, this is God, he, this is God's heart. I want people to understand that I want to dwell among them. I want to meet them. 
I want them to hear me speak to them. That's a worshiping community right there. And that's God's desire. His desire is, is to worship. So we're going to stop. We're going we're to stop there. We're going to put the caboose on. And we're going to come to communion. And we're going to do communion a little bit different today. Ushers. Um, move this up just ushers, if you'll get ready. We worship God for who He is, but we also worship God for what He's done. And right here, we're remembering in obedience to God. Whenever, and I, this is a prayer last night that Melissa prayed that I thought was, you know, talked about. Well, whenever we do communion, we're, we're obeying Jesus. And when you obey Jesus... The Holy Spirit gets very happy. And he begins to just celebrate his happiness by doing stuff like healing people, like setting people free, like saving people, like baptizing people in the Holy He just does all convicting people. He does all the things that he just loves. And so because this is like a center point is the death and resurrection of Jesus is the beginning of new worship. It's the beginning of the, the worship community. Because of what he done, now we have access to heaven. We have access to all of the power of heaven. We have access to all of the presence of heaven. And we cannot, it's not like we're there yet, but we can get as there as there can be on this earth right now because he's here. And what we're going to do with communion, we're going to close in worship. By the way, we get out at 1230, just FYI. Um, we're not concerned about time. Um, just threw that out, just in case anybody thought we got it at noon. Um, because of this, I worship. What this represents, that this represents the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. It's just one of the reasons I worship. And so how we're going to respond today, I'll quit leaning over, maybe that's it. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, that's my, my bad. We're going, to, we're going to do something different today. Is I felt like the Lord said, when you receive communion, and we, a lot of times we, we get stuck in a rut with communion. It's always the same songs, and it's always kind of like the quiet things. And I felt like the Lord said, you need to celebrate you need to celebrate communion every once in a while. Not, it's not always the, oh, God, I, I need something, or oh, God, I've sinned, please wash me clean. I mean, and that's appropriate. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it's always, see, worship is also, it's, it's like spontaneous. It just, it just happens. It, it's, not, it's not a formula. It's a response. And everything that's a response means the Holy Spirit is so unique and new, He comes in and does something, we respond to Him. So today, what, the whole, what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying is celebrate my freedom, celebrate my victory, that I have defeated everything. I have defeated death. I have defeated sin. I have defeated sickness. I have defeated Satan, hell, and the grave. Everything has been defeated. So celebrate it. Just rejoice in it. And as a rejoice, I'll bring those same things. I'll bring those healings. I'll heal up and bind up the broken hearts. 
because the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus, and he did that. It says he'd bind up the brokenhearted. He'd set at liberty the captives. So those things will happen. But today, God's just calling us to say, I want you to celebrate it today. And so ushers, what we're going to do is here's how we're going to do this. We're going to hand out everything all at once first, okay? Just the bread, the cracker, and the juice. We're going to hand it out right now. <laughs> so ushers, come. Let's just hand it out while the worship team, if you'll come. I don't, I don't even know how to do this, but uh, we'll just get them everything. Go ahead and we can start passing it out. Um. And if you need to set your stuff down for a while, this is the thing. God may call you to, to, to celebrate however he calls you for a while. He may tell you, go ahead and receive and then, then dance or what, whatever. There's no, there's no form here. The form, is, the form is, the Holy Spirit's here and He's calling us to celebrate His freedom. So whatever He says to you, do it. Respond to Him because worship is a response. And He wants us to celebrate. And as we dance, as we rejoice, as we sing, as we clap, as we shout as we stand or sit or kneel in silence, in celebration of His victory, He's going to make the effects of His victory known. I believe that. I believe that if we enter into worship, and this is just one way, celebration with song is just one way. But as we enter in to celebrate, so... Your, your taking of this bread and this cup is between you and the Holy Spirit. Just ask Him and He'll tell you. If you're His child, you'll hear Him. If you don't know Jesus, let me tell you this. There's some in here who may not know Jesus. You've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never surrendered your life. You can just tell Him right now as you're receiving this communion... You can tell him right now, I'm trusting Jesus that you died on the cross, that your body was broken for my sin, that you were punished for my wickedness and all the nasty stuff I've done. And your blood was poured out so I could be cleaned and cleansed. And then you were resurrected from the dead and you conquered death. And I believe it and I trust it and I turn away from all my old way of life and I trust you. And you can pray that however God leads you to pray. You don't have to say some exact words. It's, it's something in your heart where you just give Him your heart. You're offering everything to God. Yes. And then you take the communion. It's just like a seal. It just like closes the deal and says, yes, it's done. You are now born from above. You are now a child of God. You are now free. Your past is gone. Yes. And the Holy Spirit will come into your life. God will come dwell. He will come dwell in your heart. And worship team, I don't know how you're going to take the communion, but either do it quick or do it at the end, I guess. <laughs> or if you need to stop singing for a while, if God calls you to do something, do it. Because all we're, all we're doing now is we're celebrating Jesus. That's what this is about. It's a celebration. So if you'll stand up. And I'm going to just pray. Um, Gary's going to pray, actually. Sure, I feel like you should pray. So. 
And then we're just going to enter into celebrating what He's done. So, Father, we come right now and we just thank You. Father, we thank You for Your body which was broken for us. We thank You for the blood and what it represents. And, Father, right now as we enter in this, we, we, Lord, we partake of You and Your life and Your power, Father, right now in Jesus' name. And, Father, as we partake of this, Father, I thank You. Lord, we thank You that we are about ready to experience incredible things and that we now position ourselves, Father. Father, healing is our portion. Breakthrough is our portion. And Lord, as we receive that, as we're about ready to worship, I thank you, Father, that you're going to unleash, Lord, incredible things in our midst. Lord, healings, breakthroughs that people have been waiting for. Father, I thank you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, as we now position ourselves to receive from you. Father, I come against the lies. I come against things that have been told to your people. And as they partake of your body, as they partake of your blood, that will bring a freedom, Father. That will release something in our, in our midst this morning. So, Father, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' Jesus' name, that we will be bold enough to step out there and receive what you have for us this morning. Father, it is ours this morning. And Lord, we thank you for that. Healing is ours. We receive that this morning in Jesus' name. We receive your breakthrough. So Father, we partake right now. And we thank you, Father, for what you're about ready to do. And we anticipate incredible things right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. 